Don't miss the Boxing Day sale at the Peggy Mount Calamity Warehouse. There's hundreds of minutes of rambling nostalgia just waiting to be downloaded. Every show guaranteed to be overflowing with cheap booze and obscure cultural references. And there's buy one, get two free on swear words. Every f*** comes with two free shits, And each episode is fact-free or you're no money back. Download today and there's nothing to pay until 2020. Sale starts December 19th. Don't be late. On today's Swimming Swans... It was Christmas Eve, so I'd imagine you'd have been in church. Uh, yes, of course I would have. I would have. I would have been twelve, so I would have been singing in the choir. Okay. Um, okay. At uh, at Durham Cathedral. Um, I know some people who don't like being sick. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Are you all right? Or should I say, hello, darlings. All will become clear in a moment. Welcome to the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour Christmas Special. I'm Dr Velvet. I am Blackout. And we're here to talk about some Christmas crackers on the telly. Yes, hello you, and thanks for joining us for our casual cultural critique of Christmas television, where Britain's best love battle axe is never far from our minds, because here, all roads lead to the mountain. If you're new to us, you can find info links for the programme we're discussing over at PeggyMoundPod.com, as well as links to all of our socials and all of the many places you can listen and subscribe. Before we begin to load up the donkey, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Well, on my dusty road, I found myself a bottle of Palmer Violet Gin. Good Lord. It's, it's time for something a little bit more traditional, and I've gone for Palmer Violet Gin. I've had, I've had a bottle of wine again before we come on. Um... <laughs> Parmavirus gin uh, and tonic, yes. And a lot of people, oh, I can't stand that. It's too sweet. It's too sweet. Do you know what? It's not. I'm telling you now, I will guarantee you by the sequence on Lena Martell's shawl, this <laughs> is not too sweet. Those sparkles aside, what are you banging down your throat, Blackout? I am on the St. Austell Brewery's proper job which is a bottle-conditioned Cornish IPA. Bottle-conditioned means you don't drink the sediment at the bottom. That's it. That's all that means. There you go. A health warning. There you go. Uh, health and safety. You know, we care about our listener. It won't kill you. It'll just give you the shits. Well, to some people, that's, you know, just as bad. <laughs> I know some people who don't like being sick. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we going with this? I don't oh, know. No idea. It, I don't it doesn't know. matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So gather round everyone for tonight's feature episode. As our good friend Russ would have said, that was Holly, that was Ivy, and this is Carol at Christmas and that. <laughs> Christmas Carol. The magnificent Kenny Everett was many of viewers' first stylistic bridge between mainstream and alternative comedy, moving effortlessly from spinning discs on the radio to his own sketch show for London Weekend Television. By 1981, however, he'd made the move to the BBC, where he went on to produce five primetime comedy series. Tonight, we've watched Kenny Everett's Christmas Carol, written by genre stalwarts Barry Cryer and Neil Shand. This was originally aired on Christmas Eve 1985. Kenny Everett is the reason I am sat behind a microphone right now that man is a god to me uh-huh an absolute god in every way shape or form mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. with media radio television character creation comedy humor 
everything, everything, everything. He is the embodiment of what it is to entertain to myself. So you can imagine how gutted I was when I watched this. <laughs> Are we going straight in? Is that it? What better way? I'm not messing about here because I... Spin the clock back to 1985. Right. Little else would have put a smile on my face more than a Christmas special starring Kenny Everett. And certainly at the time, I was aware of Barry Cryer uh, and Neil Shand being writers that could bring to me that je ne sais quoi in terms yeah. of humour. Yeah. Also, in this case, what a selection box of of celebrities that we have. It is amazing, isn't it? It is an amazing cast. It really, really is. We've got Spike Milligan, Peter Cook, Woody Rushton, Michael Barrymore, Annika Rice, Francis Wilson, James Hunt, Tessa Sanderson. I love that so many faces of the day have queued up around the block to get a 30-second slot in this. And we've got B.A. Robertson playing Bob Cratchit, and he manages to look almost exactly like Rob Brydon. Yes, he does! <laughs> While I'm on, I've got to ask, you probably know this better than I would. Go on. Why isn't um, Cleo Rogers in this? Fair point, fair point. Uh, can't answer that. She um, worked with him before and after. Oh, my goodness, they were best mates. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, maybe maybe other commitment, maybe she just didn't want it. But you're right, oh, okay. yeah, she was with him hand in hand with so many things. They were best friends. There would have been a justified reason for that. I don't know, maybe she was busy. Bit of trivia for you. Kenny Everett's real name is Kenny Everest, but you had to change it in order to secure a restraining order against Ted Moult. It's true that. You can look it up. I think I'd better. So you do remember watching this back in 1985? No, I don't. Um, okay. I, do, I don't at all. This, this was completely new to me. 1985, and I was trying to think of a reason why I wouldn't have watched this. Uh, and I can't think of one. It might have just maybe maybe I was at a family affair. Oh, I was, don't know. It was Christmas Eve, so I'd imagine you'd have been in church. Uh yes, of course <laughs> I would have. I would have, I would have been twelve, so I would have been singing in the choir. Okay. Um, okay. at uh, at Durham Cathedral, um, <laughs> most probably. So yes, that's probably what that is. Yes. I've got to say before we start laying into it, this is relentlessly silly from the off. Which is Kenny. That's Kenny. Oh, yeah, I, can, yeah, I can forgive is. that. Some of the comic asides here work better than others. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Yeah. Because they're so rapid fire that the average hit rate is high enough to sustain the momentum at first. Now, the show, the show might only be half an hour long, but you know what? It's built around a Christmas theme, which means that Everett has already taken it more seriously than True. pretty much every other show that we watch for this strand of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, by episode seven, you're right. Um, we've actually got a Christmas theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a proper Good one. point. And I love nice touches. There are some nice touches to this. For example, Kenny was a big fan of the goons. Uh, yeah. And he appreciated their style of humour. Hence, of course, the appearance by Spike. Mm -hmm. um, but also, there's a nod to Spike's single that he brought out. Um, there is I'm walking. I'm walking backwards for Christmas. Little bits and pieces mm -hmm. ruined ruined by canned laughter. There is a live studio audience, but I suspect that's for only various segments of the show. Right. Or for parts of the show where the reaction wasn't as strong as I expected it to be. And that canned laughter ruins it. And unfortunately, a lot of that happens in the first two minutes of the show. 
my heart sank. I hate canned laughter. I hate it. <laughs> or rather, I hate unconvincing canned laughter. There are enough soundtracks out there. People, you can buy them right now from Woolworths. They are next to the pick and mix counter. You can uh-huh. buy them on the tapes. Why aren't people doing this to make it sound convincing? It gets on me knockers. I kind of assume that for something that you, for something that's very obviously using canned laughter, it's weird that once once Kenny opens it in his study, sort of sets out that this is actually going to be, let's use this word loosely, but a parody of Dickens' Christmas Carol. Once we get into the story itself, there are these awkward gaps where he has to cross the set, but he doesn't have any jokes to do in the meanwhile, and there's no musical accompaniment, and there's no laughter yeah. leading off the last joke, so it's just these sort of these footsteps and the audience breathing. <laughs> and it's not yes. edited out. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem is the Kenny Everett television show, um, Kenny Everett video cassettes, all of those shows are fast-paced sketch shows. Yes. They're not used to an extended uh, yeah, yeah. extended scenes as such. Uh-huh. So when we do have to get into that, the, it feels like filler. Again, it's that awkward transition between having a load of scripted jokes that could be, you know, they're just like puns and doob entendres. They could be dropped in anywhere. Um, and then having to switch to a narrative, there's a huge gap between the two, usually signified by Kenny walking across the set. And yeah, 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 yeah. it doesn't flow. It, it doesn't play to his strengths. I mean, this is this is a ridiculous and cheap and cheerful show. Nobody used to parody the BBC more than Kenny. So... They're not. This is no. There's no pretension about this. Mm. They know what they're doing. It is what it is. Uh, Barry Cryer. I mean, all hail the great Saint Barry of Cryer. Yeah. But this is not their best work. This is. I think again. This has been thrown together. Francis Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And for the yeah, uninitiated, exactly the weatherman from BBC Breakfast Time, Francis Wilson. And yep. do you think that was a, a very first appearance or a very early appearance uh, by Rory Bremner as Bob Geldof? I do not know, because obviously he's credited for it, but yeah. because he's Rory Bremner, he's not mm. appearing as Rory Bremner. I mean, none of them are appearing as themselves, but, you know, his job is not to be Rory Bremner. Because he, he'll have been doing spit and image by this point. By um, Yeah, I think so- this is probably the f- well one of the early times where he actually got his face on camera. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But obviously long before the days where he had his own show, so yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. So fair play. Um, I'm still, I, I still, I'm not recognising Annika Rice in this, but I'll go back to it and rewatch it. I can't find her in it. I can't find her in it. <laughs> but that's my that's my issue. Um, As a version of A Christmas Carol, it makes little to no sense because they're rattling through the story beats. Uh, well, they're rattling through half of them. They're ignoring the other half. It's more just uh, a series of joke setups, and that's fine. You know, they've they've got half an hour, they've got less than half an hour by the time he's done his intro. I get that you can't be telling that story in that time frame and still keep any kind of narrative form in it. I know. I expect something this self-indulgent to have more structure. This feels rushed, in mm-hmm. totally both rushed. in its writing and in its actual assembly on the day. After four years at the BBC, this should be a lot tighter. This was this is a Christmas Eve BBC One television show. It should be a lot more well, better, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest, I think maybe they were trying to get out of the 
I don't like to call it a rut because that puts a negative slant on it. But mm. by this time, the characters that Kenny had created for the BBC, uh, you had Reg, the DIY man, yeah, uh, Reg Prescott, and you had a, a, you know a whole gallery of others. Um, I think it would have been preferred if we'd seen those in a Christmas context rather than be devoid of those for this. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that would have been preferred. Yes. But that being said, uh, all hail Kenny Everett, the absolute magnificent media genius that he is. Yeah, um, fair play. Yeah. We'll raise a glass yeah. to Ken. Not you, Ken. Yes. Not you, Ken. Sit, Ken, sit down. He's waving a cracker. Not yet. It's not the 25th yet. <laughs> he goes wild. He's hoping it's got an egg in it. He's hoping it's got an egg in it. Do you know, I think the problem is Bella... You know the the lady that comes in on a morning to clean. Yeah, she left him a bottle of syrup of figs because he said he was having a, a bit of bother. Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get to, and he does get excited on that. Oh, anyway, dear, that dear. being said, pegs upon the tree. How many are you placing, Blackout? It weighs heavily upon my Yuletide heart to give this a resounding three out of nine. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Nothing more um, to add. Um, you know, <laughs> no, that's, it that's should be good. Play. It's not. It's not good. As we've said, we love Kenny. Respect to Kenny. We're basing this judgment on the episode himself. Can you see the justification just coming out of my every pore here? Because yeah. I feel guilty about what I'm about to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a mere four, a mere okay. four for me. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. fair enough. And two of that is for the cast. So yeah. Two for the cast, one for Kenny, one for Barry Cryer. So sorry, Kenny, but um, you've done better. You've done better. But you are a you are a saint, darling. There we are. You can, however, make amends by yodeling up the mountain in the shortest possible number of steps. What would they be? I can do this in two. So St. Kenny of Everett can be seen seated in the audience for an audience with Billy Connolly, as can. Dennis Norton, who is one of those people and whose legendary nostalgia show Looks Familiar, featured in a September 1976 edition. I could have a mince pie. Lovely job. Clipboard in hand, Blackout. How many steps is it going to take you? We're really neck and neck. Again, I can also do it in two. Joining in with the festive fun here is the inimitable Spike Milligan, who also starred in the movie adaptation of Man About the House, along with Bill Maynard, who appeared in Barry Cryer's Those Wonderful TV Times, next to Peggy Mount. What have you locked yourself in for? Absolutely. And, oh, I, I actually remember our review about the Man About the House movie. I can't remember the last time I had a stitch from laughing as much. Um, We've got to head off and wrap up this episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour until tomorrow. In the meantime, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thanks once again for being with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email peggymountpod at gmail.com or we are peggymountpod on Twitter and Facebook. If you like, you can go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. I don't say this all the time, but... But but you can you can do it all the time. Just I'm, just you know I'm just you you can you can but leave but a festive cheer you can you can leave a five star iTunes review. 
or Apple Podcasts, as I believe some people call it. It's it's, it's the stars that are important. Yes, that's, that, that'd be nice. Yes, yes. Yes, do it. It's Christmas. It's lovely. And if you don't do it, we'll send Gripper Stepson round to your house. On another note, we'll see you tomorrow on the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour Christmas Special. Until then, keep mountain. The Peggy Mount Calamity Hour is a free podcast, Michael Media, which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments from television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. What's a great shaving gift? The Remington Microscreen. It's two thin, flexible screen shavers. Close to the blade or your money back. No other electric shaver makes that promise. Perfect. Maybe my husband will buy the company. <laughs> the Remington Microscreen shaves as close as the blade or your money back. When people ask me how to remove unsightly nose and ear hair, I tell them about the Remington Hygienic Clipper. It's safe, precise, and easy to use. a jingle in the air, Jasda. All the gifts have arrived. Amstrad Personal Stereos, $10.95. Good old Asda price. BMX bikes, $59.95. A really good price. And now Asda strikes back. Star Wars Millennium Falcons, $19.95. So go on, give them an Asda Christmas and put a jingle in your pocket.